I've um, recently, I want to share this. I believe this is for everybody. That uh, the Lord has laid on my heart uh, that there is That people's destiny is beginning to um, to really be revealed in people's life. And that's a calling. We talked about it last week when we talked about Isaiah chapter 6, that we are all called. We all have a call upon our lives. And the destiny, when we're in our destiny that God calls us to, we're in the place that God would have us to be. I believe that's actually being confirmed in people's hearts in this church today. I believe that's something God has put on my heart and I want to share that with you. In other words, when you're where God wants you to be, there is definitely a difference, okay? There's blessings in that place and fulfilling what God's call uh, is upon your life, your destiny, your the culmination of what he wants to do in and through his children. And I believe that obviously the joy of the Lord is one of those manifestations as a result of knowing that calling and that destiny. But I believe by revelation, God is revealing that to a lot of you here. So be encouraged with that. Because we're here for the Lord. We've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own, right? But we're Jesus's. We're in his hands. Remember that. That song we played last week talking about that, you know, do it again, Lord. Do it again. That his promises are still for today. And in that, that little uh, contemporary Christian song talks about we're still in Jesus's hands. And he will fulfill his promise. So just know that he's birthing that. It's already there, but it's coming about a revelation that you're, you, you're going to know where you are and what is God's will for your life and what he has for you because time is scooting along. Time is fleeting. And we need to plug in to that purpose and calling and destiny in what God calls us to do. I just feel really burdened that I have here in the in the last uh, few months, actually. And I just share that with you and just receive what the Lord has as he speaks to each and every heart. Any other any other things, any pronouncements, any declarations you'd like to make? One of the things what Kathy read in Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And you get up in the morning, make that declaration over that day. This is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes I get up and I'm grumpy. I know y'all never would suspect that of me, right? I'm grumpy. But I make a choice to say I'm not going to be grumpy this day, okay? Maybe I didn't sleep well or maybe I went to bed a little bit later or something. I usually go to bed by 10 o'clock. I'm gone. <laughs> but whatever it may be, you make choices every day. And so when you make that declaration, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Something happened. You declare it over that day, okay? His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercy, if you messed up, you flubbed the dub, so to speak, is go before the Lord and confess it to him and repent of it. Go the opposite way. And then get up and start going. The enemy wants you to have a bad day. You know, some people say, well, this is a terrible day. This is bad. Well, are you breathing? Are you, are you above ground? It's a good day, right? And I've heard many people say that. I'm above ground today, Jim. I'm not six feet under, so it's a good day. And I want to look at it that way. I'm serving the Lord, and so are you. Your destiny is being revealed. Turn to Psalm 16. <clears throat> How to have peace 24-7. Last week we talked about Isaiah 6, and that is when Isaiah 
came in. He was close friends with King Uzziah. Obviously, King Uzziah started out good. He ended up bad. God gave him leprosy, and he eventually died. And Isaiah, obviously, was grieving over the loss of his friend. And so God brought comfort as a result of him encountering the Lord, actually having a revelation, actually had a spiritual encounter of the Lord. And remember when he saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a lot of people that have unclean lives. And then God obviously took the coal, the seraphim, from the altar, symbolic of the blood, and touched it to his lips, and he was cleansed. And so once he was cleansed, he had had an encounter with the Lord, he got cleansed, and then he realized the forgiveness that Jesus gave experientially. He realizes, he realized that, that, that God had forgiven him of his sins, and he knew it in his heart of hearts. And then he said, and God said, whom shall I send? And remember the offer. And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. God makes offers in our lives every day. He calls us to choices. And so when he comes and, and he says, I, I, I'm, I've, I've chosen to use you in that destiny that I've called you to, we have a choice to say yes or no. He's he obviously joy. God is a, a, a God of, of choices in that way. We have responsibilities. But sometimes we say no. There's no way. I'm too tired. I don't really want to do it. And we make up every excuse in the world. Remember, God wants to bless you and he wants to use you. Now, those blessings come in different ways. But he wants to use us. He's chosen to use us. And he offers the invitation saying, do you really want to follow me? Do you want to go where I tell you to go? Do you want to say what I tell you to say? Do you want to be able to do what I tell you to do? He offers that to us. Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. I'm yours. Send me. But in this scripture today, I want to just say something. I think some of the things that obviously that I've been sharing on are so important. The word of God, obviously, is so important. But this particular scripture is really important. It is a scripture, obviously, that is, uh, <clears throat> I've used over the years, but I want to read it. Here we go in verse 1 of Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for, ye, in, for in you I take refuge. I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My welfare has no existence outside of you. For the Holy One who, who are in the land, they are the majestic ones. In them is all my delight. Those who chase after other gods, their sorrows will be multiplied. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor lift their names on my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Yes, an inheritance is beautiful for me. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My affections also instruct me in the night seasons. I, and here's the key verse. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will, not, will rest in security for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you suffer your godly one to see corruption. You will make known to me the path of life and in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Well, I want to say something today. When you think about how you think and how you live your life, 
I want to live my life in peace 24-7. There's too much turmoil and tumult. There's too much chaos. There's too much anarchy that's in this world today. And I want to be able to go through those times and to be able to go through those with peace. And I don't always do that. I haven't mastered that yet. But I want to. That's where I'm headed here. And so we see here that we've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good. And I believe this one practice will bring delight to your soul and will certainly bring power in your life that I'm going to discuss today. Most important. I believe God's bringing this about because I believe he's up to great things in this country called the United States of America. I believe that and my heart is always yielded to revival, a reformation, or an awakening, uh, a renewal, certainly. But I want the whole nation to be blessed. I want people, obviously, to come under the conviction of knowing that they're sinners and that Jesus Christ is the answer. That's my heart's desire. That is my vision when you talk about that from my standpoint here. Something here that I think David speaks of that is so important, and that is here, is that I have set my mind on the person and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in me, the Holy Spirit of God, certainly. And my goal this morning is to explain that more fully and to encourage you in that direction. In verse 8, David said, I have set the Lord always before me. And I want to explain what does that mean? First of all, what that means is, is that Jesus is at the center of my thoughts 24-7. Even your sleep, the Bible says that he'll give dreams and visions and prophecies. And so even then, when you set the Lord before you, I want to talk about the awareness of the presence of God. You look on that little sheet that I made some, some notes on for our overseers meeting on Thursday night. It talks about being more aware of the presence of the Lord corporately and also in our individual lives. I'll say this. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the word never in the Greek means as an emphasis. I'll never, never, never. He wants you to know I'll never leave you. What does that mean for us today? That means he's here. He's here right now. That means when you got up in the morning that he was there with you. He was there. He was there over you, watching over you, in you. Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit coming to be in you and to be with you. He is with us always. But are we always attuned and aware that he is there? And until you have an awareness of the presence of the Lord in your life, You'll never live in peace. It's because sometimes, you know, we drift away from dependency upon the Lord. We drift away from that knowledge of knowing that He is with us no matter where we are. He's here with us today. He's with you when you leave. He is there watching over you. And we not, may not pay any attention to Him, but it doesn't mean that He goes and comes. And sometimes it seems like we drift from His presence And certainly, but we drift from the awareness of his presence. And one of the most important things I believe as you grow in your Christian walk with Jesus is being aware of his presence. Have you ever noticed how a compass needle always points north? You can momentarily disturb that, but it always settles back in that position here. When you center your thoughts on the Lord, you continually come back to him as your point of reference here. 
And so God is our all in all. He is the one watching over us. He is our portion. He is all we need. He is the one that we obviously as Christians will live with forever. But are we aware of that? You know, David lived in joy even though people for years were trying to kill him. And he was a mighty warrior. And when he depended upon the Lord and he trusted in the Lord, obviously he was victorious. But he lived in joy because why? His mind was set on the Lord. Therefore, the Bible says, my heart is glad. In Psalm 23, he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why or how is this possible for you and me? He says, for thou art with me. How can you go through the challenges of life? We know this is not our home. It's a temporary place. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. But how can you stay at peace in that? You've got to realize that God is with us always. There is an awareness. There is an experiential awareness that God is with us. In Acts 27, Paul found himself, you remember, at sea in a hurricane? It was a life and death situation and all the soldiers were guarding Paul and, and they were hardened sail, sailors. They were, they were just rough guys. They were on board and they were terrified to death. But there we see Paul calm as a cucumber. He's in the worst possible circumstance. He's not only out to sea in this killer storm, but he's a prisoner who the soldiers are planning to kill. Paul is not moved by any of this. Why? It's because he had set the Lord always before him. Storm or no storm. Circumstances or no circumstances. He set the Lord before him. And God was at the center of his thoughts. What did you think about when you got up this morning? Oh, poor me. I got Here goes another day. Or did you think, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. What was it that was on your mind when you got up? Did you say, good morning, Lord? You know what I say on probably a regular basis? And don't get me wrong, don't look at me. Look at Jesus, okay, when you do that. And I don't always get it right, trust me. And I may slip away from this. But I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I'll say good morning to Him when I get up. It starts the focus of my mind at that time. But you see, what we get into is a clutter of all these thoughts coming and all of our daily things that we have to do that day and so forth. And before long, our minds are not on the Lord. And Paul, he was more aware of God and what God was doing than all the circumstances around him because he had set his mind on the Lord at the center of his thinking here. He was more attuned to God's voice than to the crashing waves and thunder because he had set the Lord always before him. His mind was fixed on the Lord. And when we live that way, we position ourselves to receive God's assurance and guidance regardless of what's going on around us. We position ourselves to be comforted, strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God. We put our place in that, in that position where God can speak to us. You know, when I am afraid or when I'm sort of like not peaceful, it's hard for me to hear the voice of God. It's hard for me sometimes just to, to center down and hear God speak into my heart and pressing upon my spirit, man. It's hard for me to do that. And so often you slip over because here we come. The finances are not working out the way you thought they'd be. Somehow the family's not working out the way they should be. Sometimes the workplace is a place of horror and terror. 
and all, and you're wondering, why in the world are you there? Sometimes the boss is irate, and you can't do anything right there for him, and he is just a, a real tyrant. And how do you keep peace in the midst of that? It's because you've got to set the Lord before you all, at all times. I do. I have to do that. Because every time when I don't do that, I begin to drift away. And I don't have that peace that passes all understanding. It's the only way you can do it. The only way you can do it, I want to tell you. Obviously, I've set the Lord before me always. It was David's mindset. It was Paul's mindset there. And then, now listen to this. In contrast, the opposite side of that is Romans 1, chapter 28. Now listen to this. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Their choice was to exclude God from their thoughts. Not only did they not want God at the center of everything, they wanted Him out of their thinking altogether. They didn't even want the knowledge of God in their thinking at all here, certainly. And we obviously, we see what happens, that, that their minds are filled with a vacuum at that point. You either think on the things of God, either you're full of God, or you're going to be full of something else. And listen what happens. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And by pushing God out of their thoughts, they had obviously opened a floodgate of evil. That's what's happening in this nation. In 1962, when they took prayer out of the schools, is that obviously it opened the floodgates of evil. And now we're having, obviously, killings like we've never seen before. We're seeing these things, even students killing other people. And all this stuff happening today is because we stopped, obviously, wanting God in our thoughts in the, in the marketplace and in the schoolhouse today. And you know what? I have people that I know have talked to me about it, and they said, yeah, I know, but if you allow prayer, a Christian prayer in there, you've got to allow the Muslims to pray and so forth. No, you don't. That is not true. An excuse we have of saying, of rejecting God and kicking Him out of every part of society is we've allowed the floodgates of evil to come in like a flood. We don't have to do that. And go, yeah, but you've got to give everybody their place and so forth. No, if we'd been obedient to God back then and kept prayer in the, in the schoolhouse today, God would have taken care of that. But it takes faith to believe God to do that. And you can't rationalize God. He's too big. But until we set our minds upon God and until that gets down in our hearts and begin to know, because we'll never see the way God sees. We'll never think the way God thinks. We'll never do what God wants us to do because we've allowed all this other junk to come in. It's like a computer. If junk comes in, junk's going to come out. Same thing. You see? Good news is this. By setting our minds on God and the things of God, we open the floodgates of goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The old song says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known here. Thomas Kelly calls it this way of living, life from the center 
with a capital C indicating God is a center that we fix our attention upon. He writes there, life in the center here is an, is an unhurried peace and power. It's simple. It's serene. It's amazing. It's triumphant. It's radiant. It takes no time, but it occupies all of our time here. Get up. Fill your mind with the Word of God. God will reveal to you what you want. You know, you can take a, just a short verse. Even reading this today, the power of God went all out from that. Not because of me, but because of who God is. You know why I say that? Is when I read that scripture, power went out. Y'all heard it. Your spirit man picked it up like a sponge. Is why? Because Isaiah 55, 55, God says, My word shall not return to me void, but it will go forth and accomplish everything that I set it to, to accomplish. My word, His word, will go forth and accomplish those things. And you say, you heard the word of God. Get in and just read. Take some verses, read it. Whatever God leads you to do, and whatever time you have, is sit there and get your mind set upon the Lord. Because unless you do, you're going to have your mind set on other things and you're going to be ruffled the whole day long. You know, when I don't pray in the morning, what happens? I get ruffled. <laughs> Y'all know what ruffled means. <laughs> you know, I, and all types of things start coming in. And I'm not centered. I'm not centered down. When we center upon the Lord is that something happens. We can be at peace in these storms because life is full of turmoil and challenges every day here. The Bible clearly teaches that God is with every one of us 24 hours a day here. And that promise, Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you here. He's with us on the busy streets. He's with us in our job, obviously, the issue is, are we aware of His presence and our willingness to engage with Him? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to do that? The second thing here is cultivate awareness of God. Brother Lawrence, he wrote that little book, Practice in the Presence of the Lord, and, and many of you may have read it here. And obviously, why is it that two people come into this worship service? One is caught up in the presence of the Lord, gazing on His beauty and certainly delighting in God's nearness, His goodness there. And the other person standing right next beside that person is looking around, wondering when the service is going to be over so they can go and watch the game. It's a difference, isn't it? Why? It's because you have set the Lord before you before you came into the church house. It's because you set the Lord and you're practicing it. I want to tell you, say, how can I do this? Do you always do it right? No, but let me tell you today, and I may say it again, is practice, practice, practice. Set the Lord before you. Get Him on your mind first thing when you get out of bed and start thinking about Him, His goodness and so forth. He's not the tyrant in the sky with a baseball bat because you've had challenges that He's just looking for one more time for you to screw up so He can hit you with His spiritual baseball bat. He, that is not God. <laughs> That's not how the Lord works. He loves us. And He obviously will make us uncomfortable at times, but He'll never shame you. He'll never shame you. You see, remember the story in uh, Genesis 28? Jacob was at a place he later named Bethel, and he was just trying to get a good night's sleep there, but God appeared to him in a dream. And when he woke up, he suddenly realized God was there in that place, and he said this, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. it was, he wasn't aware of it. 
Surely God was right there. He had a dream about God, a real vividly clear dream, and the Lord revealed himself to him. He said, God's here, and I didn't even realize it. No matter what we're doing, until we become aware of it, and that's one of the visions I have and one of the things I want to cultivate. I can't do it, but I can partner with the Holy Spirit to do it and teaching you and continue to lead you into a deeper awareness of the presence of the Lord in your life. You leave this place. I want to feel his presence. I want to know him. And until you get realize that, until you center your thoughts down upon him, why does he need to reveal himself to you if we're not going to do what he tells us to do anyway? Why does he even do it? But if you're willing and you're hungry, you see, it's all about hungry and being hungry, hungry anyway. It's all about that. What are you hungry for? You're hungry for the things of the world or you're hungry for the things of God. It all makes a difference. I want to tell you what you're aware of and where you're going. Second Kings chapter six. Remember that the king of Aram was at war with Israel and God kept giving Elisha a word of knowledge as to what the enemy's strategies were. And it was driving the king of Aram nuts. So he sent a force of his soldiers to capture Elisha. And all these soldiers surrounded the town where Elisha and his servant were staying. And the next morning when the servant stopped, stepped out of his tent, he saw the enemy everywhere. He panicked and he ran to Elisha with the news. And there was a prophet, obviously full of peace and assurance, and his servant was nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof, right? Elisha simply prayed that God would open his servant's eyes to the spiritual realm. And when God did that, he saw the hills full of God's horses and chariots of fire. One person panicked, the other took it all in stride. What was the difference? The awareness. God's surrounding this place right now. If we could see into the spirit realm, we'd realize there are angels that fight for us. They're ministering angels that will minister to you. They're warring angels that will war for us. The Lord of hosts is a warring God. He fights for us, the Bible talks about. So if God opened the eyes, our eyes right now to the spirit realm, it's real. It's around you and me. I want to tell you, we'd probably be aghast at what we see all around us today. That's what Elisha, obviously, did to a servant. He said, open your eyes. And he looked and he saw all the chariots of God around. And he obviously said, they're a lot more for us than they are of them. And he knew God's army was going to defeat those. So he wasn't afraid anymore. But Elisha was aware of God's presence. And so he had perfect peace. Why can't we do that? Obviously, we've got to practice. And when God, remember, delivered Israel out of Egypt, he appeared to them in a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He wanted them to be aware of his presence. He wanted them to know that he was there for them. They could rest in his presence knowing that he would protect them and care for them. He gave them a visible outward sign to help them trust him during that journey. And he has given you and me something far better. He has sent his blessed Holy Spirit to help us through our journey. The Spirit of God. If you're saved today here, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. And we have no reason to panic. He said, don't worry. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. But we worry ourselves to death. There are more drugs being Poured out today because people are worried about the future. People are worried about the present. They're worried about the past. But God is saying we don't have to worry about that. We can trust because God is with us. You're saved. You've accepted Jesus in your life. You're born again. You've been regenerated. Then you know the Spirit of God. It lives within us. He's with us to help us through all of these things. 
John 14, 16 in the Amplified Bible, it says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. He will there, he will remain with you forever and ever. And the Greek word here is parakletos, which obviously it means to the side of and also to summon. So the Holy Spirit is one who is called to our side to help us. I'm a, I need to be aware of that. I need to talk to him in and out of the day, whatever it may be here. You know, we're all aware of things that we've set our mind on. Cindy and I can go into a restaurant, and obviously I'm looking to see how the service is, how the management, I had was in business management for years, and I look to see how they're managing the place and so forth. And uh, Cindy will come out and said, you know, their decor is all messed up. They can't, obviously, they didn't match this and they didn't match that. You see, she, can, she, seen, she sees things I don't see, and I'm going, I didn't even realize it. She said, did you see the type of tile that were, was in the restroom? I went, no. I just went in there, obviously. Y'all fill in the gap. It's what your mind is set on. What's your mind set on? What are you thinking about? It's what you see, obviously, what your mind is set upon there. You know, when a playboy walks in a room, he's aware of who, who he might hit on. When a con man is looking for a target, he's obviously looking. His antenna is up, looking. He's there, he's looking around. He's, what his mind is set on there. But I want to tell you, when a Christian, and what we should do when we walk in a room, we need to see people in need of Christ. We need to obviously have our antenna set on that frequency. We need to look around and see people that need to know Jesus Christ. And that question is, what is your antenna frequency set on today? What is it? Is it upon the things of the world? The things of just trying to get through life? Or is it set upon what God would have you to be set on? You set your mind on there. Verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me, thinking about Him. We cultivate, you see, he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. I talk to him. Do you talk to him during the day? I get up and I say, good morning. And I'll start talking to him. You know, I'll go in a grocery store and I'll go down the cereal aisle and I'll look and I'll be talking to him. I say, Lord, you want me to get the Kellogg's? Or you want me to get the Post? Which one you want? Which one you want to get? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that obviously God gives us the freedom of choice in that case. But I'm talking about a friendship. I'm talking about a fellowship. I'm talking about a communion. I'm talking about, obviously, relating to my Heavenly Father every moment of every day. I go down, obviously, on the road a lot. I'm asking God to protect me. I'm asking God to set His angel around that red Honda out there so that I can obviously get here in Lake City and wherever I'm going safely. I ask Him. I'm talking to Him in the car. I'm asking for revival. I'm asking for awakening. I'm asking to save people. I'm praying for your healing. I'm praying for this church. I pray for this church every day. I pray for specific people every day that need help on that. I pray. I bring you up before the Lord every day. And I do that. And as the Lord prompts me to pray in certain ways, I will do that. Don't get me wrong. I have not got it all together yet. Don't, no, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying. Are you setting the Lord before you? Is He on your mind? The third thing is involve Him in everything throughout the day. Each unique worship experience. And, you know, when you come in, set Him before you. Listen for His voice during the ser sermon. Listen to Him 
during the, the time of worship? Are you thinking about him? Listen to him here. When I'm counseling with people, what I'm doing is I'm talking to them. I'm listening to their words and what they're saying. I'm also listening and looking for emotions, but I'm also talking to the Lord at the same time. You see, you can do it at the same time. People used to tell me, say, Jim, you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Anybody ever told you that? <laughs> I probably did some things that were stupid. <laughs> but let me tell you, you can talk to the Lord at work. You can inter just sort of like uh, communicate and fellowship and commune with the Lord throughout the day. And while you're doing whatever it is you're doing, if you're sitting at a desk or you're out and whatever you're doing, no matter, talk to him. Talk to him. Be aware of his presence. Begin to develop this. Practice, 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 practice here. Obviously, it's very, very important. I believe as we go in this particular time of history, there are a lot of deception. I heard a pastor uh, last week when I drove home, I pulled in. I was taking Cindy something and uh, myself from Luby's. So I went in the, uh, drive, the takeout. And I was sitting there and I was looking. And here I am, my antenna was out. Who's been to church? Who can I say something to today? And I'm listening. I'm looking. And I, one lady, I stood there ordering. I said, ma'am, did you go to church today? Did you celebrate Jesus? Yes, sir, I did. I did. I celebrated Jesus today. I said, so did I. I said, thank you. Bless you today. Bless you. And I sat down on the stool here. And, and the guy said, I was sitting beside him, big old guy, burly guy. I said, did you go to church today? And he goes, I sure did. He goes, in fact, I'm a pastor. I went, oh, okay. And he went on. And we started talking and just kind of had a little bond there in those few minutes, wait for the food to come out. And he said, Jim, I'll tell you one thing. And he said something that stuck in my mind because I believe it's true. There's a big deception that's coming across this country today. You're seeing, obviously, things, people being split. One group is going this way and one group going that way. There's a deception like I've, uh, I've never seen. Maybe this is signs of the times. Maybe. But there's a deception coming. Because like Tony Evans, with Pastor Tony was talking about today, when you think that you get, to, you get to, go, to go to heaven by good works, you don't. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you accept that and believe it, trust, lay your life on it. The blood of Jesus. A lot of people are deceived today because they believe they've been kind of good. You know, one thing I can't understand, the evil that we see rising up, that guy, Joseph Pappas, that shot that doctor down in the medical center in cold blood. I was so glad when they got him. I, I was hoping that, you know, I, I don't know if he was saved. You know, my heart burdened because I don't know whether that man was saved or not. But he turned his gun on himself and shot himself in the head and killed himself. A lot of that's happened. I cry out for that little, uh, that little girl and Molly Tibbet up in Iowa, little country town. Looks like to me to have corn and all that. I'm a country boy. I recognize all that. I love it. Little small town. She's running at 7.30 on Wednesday night, and she's never been seen since. In a country town where a lot of the people say, we don't even lock our doors because we have nothing like this that happened. Even throughout the whole state of Iowa, they have not had people abducted. Things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. And they're going to get worse. Some people say, oh, it was, it was just as bad during biblical times. It was, no, it's not. It's worse. It's getting worse. Evil is rising up. 
And why I say this to you today, Sunday after Sunday and then again on Wednesday night, it's because I need to be, be, be prepared. And the only way that you're going to be prepared to be able to go through this onslaught slot that I believe the devil is going to bring against God's people is being aware of the presence of the Lord in each of your life and always setting the Lord before you. Because if not, you'll be deceived. The Bible says that if God didn't stay his hand, even the elect would be, obviously would fall away, be deceived. We're entering into a season, I believe, that's very, very, very serious in that respect. And so learn and, and practice and practice the presence of the Lord in your life that he is with you no matter what's going on. Don't just come in on Sunday and you go home today, practice the presence of the Lord. Talk to Him. He loves for you to talk to Him. He loves for you to commune with Him. He loves that. Isn't that something God invites us into a relationship? It's the only religion throughout history that ever the, the one who gave Himself in this manner in a relationship, He wants a relationship with His people. Isn't that great? I tell you, it blows me away. It's because of Jesus. And I'll share this and we'll close down. I heard something. If you're saved today, this applies to you. If you're not saved today or maybe you want to rededicate your life today, may be the day that you just say, Lord, I need to be more aware of your presence. I've done things. And, you know, the Bible says actually be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouth. Every word. Now, it's grace there, remember. But every word comes out of our mouth. I want to be a person who blesses. I don't want to be a person who curses. I want to be a person who edifies, who builds up. I don't want to be a person who discourages. And I've made this declaration, I'll make it to you today also, is that I will not, I will not be discouraging to any person that comes across my path. And if I do, I want the Spirit of God to put a check so great in my spirit that I had to repent right, on, right, at, right at that time. I will not. I will be a blesser and encourager. I heard this pastor talking about it, and, and uh, he, he said that, you know, because we're to give, right? A lot of people will say, well, the preacher always talks about his money. I don't talk about money. I, I will. I'll share it because I believe a tithe. You, you get give, give because obviously God calls us to give in that manner. I'm not saying that, and Malachi talks about it, and the storehouses would just be flung open and the blessings of God tied. But I'm not saying that in that illegalistic way. I'm just saying because it's the Word of God. But I don't very seldom talk about money. Y'all know that. Maybe I should more. I don't know. But we're to give, right? The Bible talks about, in Luke chapter 6, he talks about give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down and, and flowing over. So when you give, you get back so much more than you give. And this pastor said something one time. He said that <clears throat> the Lord put on his heart to give he and his wife's house away. And uh, he give his home away. Evidently to somebody the Lord has spoke to him about. And so he talked to his wife and he said, I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to give my home away. And his wife said, you follow what God tells you to do. And so he did. And somebody came up to his wife later on and said, why does the pastor, why did, why did he do that? And why does he give in that way? Why does he do that? And his wife said this. I'll never forget this. 
He said, because he's never gotten over being saved. He's never gotten over being saved. Are you getting over? Are you, have you gotten over being saved? You see, the, the, the deal of it is, is it all belongs to God anyway. When I put my offering back there and my tithe and so forth in an offering plate or wherever God directs me to give, it's not mine anyway. It's God. He own owns it all. It's a matter of being obedient to the Lord in that way. He tells you to do something, you do it. Because if you don't, probably you've gotten over the salvation that God freely gave you through Jesus Christ, His Son. And that's true for my life too. He's never gotten over being saved. Jesus said he would send another comforter. He said he'd be like me. Remember when Jesus said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen, you've seen the Father. Exact representation, the Holy Spirit of God. We're privileged to reveal the, fra the Father by our talk, by our speech, our testimony. We're privileged to lay our lives down at the foot of the cross. Being obedient to the Lord, wherever he calls us to do. If he says give, give it away. Go and do what God tells you to do. You'll never regret it. The Holy Spirit of God helps us in, in our weakness. And he directs us. And he's real faithful. The issue is sometimes we grieve him by not being obedient. We sometimes will grieve the Holy Spirit. He's in us. He's here. I don't want to grieve him. You see, today, even in our worship service, when God begins to move, I don't want to be like, what, Uriah's name? He reached out his hand to the cart, remember? To steady the cart, he touched. And remember, God struck him dead. We sometimes want to steady and say, oh, you know, God, you wouldn't do this. And you wouldn't do that. We want status quo. We want the Lord. He doesn't always act the way we... Want him to act. He doesn't always do what we want him to do because he's God and we're not. You see, when we are children of God, we're privileged to carry his mantle, his unction, his, his anointing upon us. And Jesus was never affected by the storm. Was he affected? Remember, the, he had the 5,000 there plus, and disciples were nervous and terrified. How are we going to feed them? It's getting around supper time, they're hungry. Jesus said, what do you got? He said, well, he got a boy's got five loaves and two fish. He never was ruffled by the circumstances. Remember there when uh, Mark chapter 9, he said, uh, he's getting ready to go and the disciples were going to the other side. I've shared this story before. And he said, the disciples were talking amongst themselves. said, we only got one loaf here and we got a big crowd coming again. And Jesus knew by word of knowledge what they were thinking. And obviously he said, why, why are your hearts still hardened? He said, do you still not see? And do you not hear? And do you not remember? Your heart's so hardened. He said, how many loaves and baskets did you pick up after we fed the 5,000? He said, 12. Well, how many baskets do you pick up after the 4,000? And what was it, seven? He said, seven. Did you not remember? Are your heart so hardened? You see, we forget about that. Why? It's because we've not set the Lord before us always. We're kind of in and out. We come to church, but on Monday, we forget all about what happened here in this place. We go home. 
We begin to do our own thing. We try to work in our own strength. And by the time we get about halfway through the week, we are devastated because all blankety-blank has broken loose. Set the Lord before you. He's with you. Think on Him. Get Him. Because you see, I mentioned here several weeks ago, is that I believe every believer has the mind of Christ according to the Word of God. But I believe experientially He wants us to have and operate out of the mind of Christ and think like Jesus thinks. And he was never ruffled by the storms. He was asleep in the boat and they were getting ready to capsize. And his disciples woke him up, shook him, Master, Master, don't you care? We're getting ready to drown. And he looked around and he said, Be be still. And obviously he goes, Oh, ye of little faith. He never was ruffled. We have the Spirit of Jesus within us as believers. Why are we worrying? Why are we fretting? <clears throat> Why are we continued in an uproar and turmoil and all of this and our insides are churning and so forth to where we've got more antacids being used than we do anything else in our, obviously, what we eat <clears throat> because we haven't set the Lord always before us. Keep your mind upon the Lord. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to be hungry for the Lord because obviously without being hungry for the Lord, it reveals something's not right in us. But you know what the good thing is? I'll leave you with this. And that is, is if you're not hungry and you're saying, well, I'm not sure, I'm not really sure, you know, say, Lord, make me hungry. <laughs> he does it. It's not us, it's the Spirit. Make us hungry. I can't stir it up in the flesh. Nothing in the flesh amounts for anything as far as spiritual spiritually good, but ask the Spirit of God. I'm not hungry, but I want to be. Make me hungry. Help me to always set the Lord before me. Help me to do it, Holy Spirit. And I ask that for each one of you. I feel this today, what's been spoken, and not necessarily what I've said, but what the Spirit of God has spoken to your life about is most important in this day of, of history. I do. Because I don't believe I'm going to be able to make it without doing that on a regular basis and being attuned to His Spirit. Because I don't hear the voice of God when I'm all upset, when I'm panicking, when I don't see my needs maybe being met the way I think they should be met. I can't hear God. And I have no peace at all. But if I'll take and set the Lord before me, thinking on Him always, thinking about it, just get up, Lord, and start talking to Him. He loves to hear. You say, but I don't know of anything really important to say to God Almighty. Oh, He loves you to say anything. How are you doing, Lord? What do you think about this? You know what I say sometimes? And I know He knows already, but I'll ask Him. I'll go, Lord, I'm getting ready to do this. What do you think about this? I'll ask Him in that verbiage. What do you think about this, Lord? What do you want to do in this case? You know, you can come to the Lord like that and you can talk to Him just like, you know, just as freely and openly. Why? Because sometimes you, what you've been taught from the church house is because you've got to come in and talk like somehow the these and the thous and this and so forth. No, talk to Him. Just talk to Him. He wants to hear us talk to Him. Commune with Him. Just tell Him you love Him. I love, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I want to be more in love with Jesus. I don't want anything to stop that. And I know that's where you are also in your walk with Christ. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. A long life's narrow way. I know y'all know that song. <laughs> Amen. Thank y'all for your attention today.
yourselves are gracious. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence here. Lord, we want to live in that state of always setting the Lord before us. We don't want to be in panic state. We don't want to worry about this and that, big and little. We want to have perfect peace. And so, Lord, teach us. Let us practice, practice, practice. Always setting the Lord before us. Thinking about you when we first get up in the morning and first thing we go to bed at night. Thank you for your salvation and thank you for your grace. Whatever it is you lead us to do, when you have members, I believe when this church starts praying like what you've called us to do, including me, is you're going you're to set a spiritual fire in this place like we've never seen before. We call upon the name of the Lord. Teach us, oh God. Glorify your names. Anybody here that wants to rededicate their life, just give your life to Jesus today. Always here to pray with you. You can call me. I'll come and visit with you. And whatever it is you need, let me know. And we've got ministry team. We've been training on Wednesday night now for some time about praying with people. Prayer is ministry. So anything we can do in that way. Pray for those that are not with us that I mentioned today. Pray for them if you would. Pray for the healing of those that need healing. And I would appreciate those prayers. And I know God will honor you as you call upon his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. We honor you. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for what you're doing in this congregation. Increase your work. Let us follow hard after Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen.